Okay, we're here. Uh, in just a few moments, the big surprise, Tammy Sars has finished the Appalachian Trail. Where does she call home? Uh, she lives in uh, Washington, outside oh, of Seattle, okay. and she was our neighbor uh, for a number of years. And I remember when I moved into the neighborhood, people said, this gal Tammy is crazy. She writes hiking books. She takes incredible photography, and she's you know just an incredible artist, superwoman. And uh, sure enough, that wasn't an exaggeration. And her husband, like, has, is a helicopter pilot, and they're and they're just, you know, the uh, young, much younger than us. Um, <laughs> although it's funny, as I get really old, I look at the younger people. I go, "You're getting old too, ha ha." <laughs> <laughs> like I look at my son, and you know, he's forty, just about. Oh, here comes Tammy. Hang on, hold that thought. Tammy Asars, how you is. doing? Hey, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. I am doing amazing. You did it. I did it. I uh, can't believe it's real. I keep looking outside and there's big mountains and I'm like, I must still have to wake up and climb. There must be some catch to this. <laughs> wow. All right. Tammy Asars just finished the 2,100 how many miles? 97, I think it is, but who's counting at this point? You don't know the points, yes. It's funny, yeah. <laughs> uh, you sent me this wonderful, uh, the Appalachian Trail, she sent me this wonderful text the night before she was, she was like, I'm going to, I'm only six miles from the finish. And I thought, six miles has to feel like walking to the bathroom in the middle of the night compared to what you've been doing. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's a weird feeling because the AT has so many similar days because the, the landscape does not change that much as far as deciduous trees and leaves. And and so it just felt like day after day after day, I knew I was getting closer, but it wasn't like, I, it was hard for me to picture it was only six miles. It was like, no, we're just going to keep walking. There's still yeah. mountains. We just, you know, so. So yeah. a, a little denial about it being over, it sounds like. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yep, a little bit of, of that. You know, the question yeah. they always ask someone who climbs Mount Everest, and you know the answer is because it's there. Uh, but I'm going to yeah. ask you and see if you you say something different. Why do the entire Appalachian Trail? Well, you know, I did the PCT, and then in 2020 I did the CDT, and it was like, well, you got to do the Triple Crown now. I mean, I've done the other two, and... <sighs> It's there, and you know, so it's kind of one of those things. And it was really cool to see so the East Coast. Is that, is that, I, that like was this, kind of a bucket list thing. Is that like the same reason a drug addict keeps using drugs? I mean, well, I've done marijuana and I've <laughs> yeah. tried cocaine, so <laughs> fire up that spoon, Timmy. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny you'd say that uh, on the Continental Divide Trail. Uh, we had a ride from a person that um, was taking us into a town, and he was like, "Of all the addictions you could have picked, mm. you literally picked the hardest one." <laughs> it's true, and and you know, I joke about uh, the addiction thing, uh, but. Lisa and I were both talking about you yesterday, and we were like, what kind of person does it take to do that? <laughs> and and it is, a, I mean, the distinction between a healthy addiction, which exercise is, I think, uh, and an unhealthy addiction, there, there's not that much difference except that one just doesn't kill you and the other one makes you stronger. Do you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, I think um, for me, it's, it's like, there's just this passion. I love the feeling you get from exercise. So yeah. there is a physiological thing there, but also it's just an amazing feeling to disconnect for that long and just kind of get back to your roots a little yeah. bit. 
and endorphins often compared to a high, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, have felt but, that. I, yeah. I I miss it a little bit because I I can't go as far now. But when you're really in a groove, uh, and you know, for me, it was the Wonderland Trail about seven yeah. or eight years ago. When you're doing something that almost no one would do, there's something also very primitive about it. Would you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it definitely is a primitive way of travel, right? The mm. you know we've gotten so far away from walking when communities were developed around automobiles and trains. We just quit walking, mm. and um, being able to get back out there and use the most basic form of travel and to be able to walk the entire eastern seaboard on your own two feet on muscle power transportation is pretty cool, wow. and it kind of gets you back to a very primitive way of life. In fact, I started thinking as I was walking, I was like, you know, the only thing missing here is, is the hunting elements and like, you know, the, yeah. the hunting gathering of being able to feed yourself naturally. But, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very, I mean, I feel like I should be lighting a smudge or something. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, it is, it's very, it's very primitive and rustic. It's cool out there. You know, it's just different. It's also the greenest form of transportation by far. I mean, it is. Yeah. yeah. And we've forgotten how to walk. We really have. We're mm. so capable, but we just don't do it anymore. Say more about that. How have we, uh, when you say we've forgotten how, do we not do it correctly or do you mean we just don't do it enough? We, it, it's so much more convenient um, to take a vehicle. And, and also we're, we live in a society that's sort of built around the car, right? When you need yeah. groceries, you don't just go take your feet out and go five miles to the store and walk five miles home. You hop in your car and you go and you get your things. And so I think, you know, where we live now is not, we don't need to be close to essential needs anymore. Uh, Like maybe primitive man had to be in those environments. We can be as far away or, you know, because we have other methods of transportation. So um, we just don't really do it that much. I think people have kind of come full circle and now we're coming around back to like this whole fitness thing and routine of exercising a lot more and all that. But it's really, um, it's really interesting how far we've traveled away from that. It's a lost art. Most, yeah. 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 Simple. This makes me wonder going into the fir- uh, future, if we'll be even further from it, if like, say you did the Appalachian Trail again. I know you're not going to problem, but... Yeah. <laughs> but this time you had a jetpack. Oh, no, this time Amazon... never touched the ground. This time Amazon delivers your uh, resupplies by drone. Yeah. Oh. You know, I've thought of, I've thought of that because we have a... Um, we have a, a, a very interesting thing happening with cycling where we're starting to get into electric bikes, right? E-bikes. Yeah. And yeah. there's sort of like this divisiveness between like the classic mountain bikers who are like, e-bikes, stay off my trails, you know? And then right. the, the people who are maybe limited physically or they haven't been able to ride as far or whatever. Um, and they're all of a sudden they're riding these e-bikes and there's the divisiveness. And I was trying to equate that in my head to hiking. And I was like, what if there was a shoe that like powered you so you didn't have to like you know something like that and how would I feel about that Mm. now you know and then all these people of all varying abilities and and ages and all that were able to go zipping past me and how would I feel or 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 one of those animated robot dogs that carried your pack so that anybody you know could theoretically do it or something like that so it was lots of wow. lots of things bouncing around in my head. I had a lot of time to think. <laughs> That's really yeah, cool stuff. The, yeah. If I knew the uh, a, 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 what's it called the Appalachian tra- AT, is it called it the AT? Yep. Yes. 
If I yep. did the AT on ATV, am I a POS? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, because they're not allowed. <laughs> And, okay. does, and does the robot dog come with bear spray? I hope it does. I'll, I'll pay for that option. Oh, I think he would defend you, wouldn't he? Wouldn't yeah. he defend yes. you? I think that would be a pretty cool feature. Absolutely. All right, let's get back to you uh, finishing. So it doesn't seem real that you're going to complete the almost 2,200-mile Appalachian Trail, even when you're down to six miles. But in the last, you know, few hundred yards when you see— that was a—by the way, can we use your picture of you under that— oh, stone arch for this week's podcast sure when you see that arch and you know it's actually done what goes through your mind it it did not feel real honestly It, it was very strange like i had all these expectations of how it would feel and it did not live up to those because I thought, okay, now I'm going to get there and it's going to be like this moment of, you know, sending the jesters and the marching band. It wasn't, it was like, oh, okay, well, all right, now what? And then I just couldn't help but think like, I need to check my water recent. I need to find out where my next water is and mm. start looking at elevation profiles for the next leg and all these things. Cause I hadn't, my brain hadn't caught up with my body. My body was done. <laughs> my body was like, it's time for recovery. But my brain was like, no, no, there's still mountains to climb. Um, but now, you know, I'm start, it's sinking in. And I'm like, wow, I, this whole thing just happened and it's over. And yeah, so it just takes a little time to sort of get your head into the whole like finishing space. You know, it's just been four months of absolute grueling climbing and daily i i mean it's it's been beautiful but there's been a lot of physical suffering along with it you know little little quirks and things hurting and um it's it just is what it is comes with a through hike mm. wow. tammy's of course calling us from the icu at the georgia <laughs> Ballista yeah. center <laughs> Yeah, can you hear the beeping of the machine? Uh, <laughs> hey, technical Tam, question, yeah. T- Tam. Um, how many calories a day do you consume? Do you have that all figured out and regimented and, you know, as far you as know, or you just eat when do. you're hungry or whatever? Or? Yeah, you know, a lot of people do that. Um, I personally don't lose weight super fast. So for me, it's not as big of a deal. But there are, uh, in particular, men lose weight very fast. And there's a lot of guys out there that hike it that have to be really aware of that or they'll they'll tap out. And what happens is your body actually starts smelling like ammonia and your muscles start breaking down. So you don't want that to happen. But you you have to consume, I mean, you burn upwards of six to 7,000 calories, maybe more in a day. So you've got to keep up. Wow without supply <laughs> yeah there's a, there was a lot of chocolate in my diet um yeah it was it was not the healthiest diet but it's just what you have to do you know it's hard it's really hard to eat nutritionally sound out there because your body craves different things primarily carbs it, it reminds me of the the uh the advice i got from i think maybe the most famous uh runner in the world when I was hungry, I ate. When I was tired, I slept. And when I had to, you know, I went. <laughs> totally. Well, it's, and it's funny because I was thinking of him at the very end when Forrest is running and all those people are chasing him and he stops and they're like, oh, wait, he's going to say something. And he turns around and he's like, I'm pretty tired. I think I'll I'm going to go home. Gonna go <laughs> home. Exactly how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm sitting here dreaming about 
what a dream meal 6,000 calories would be, right? For it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, honestly, as far as eating goes, it's really a, a break from everything you know to be healthy and disciplined and good. You can mm. eat anything you want. Wild. As long as it's not perishable. <laughs> okay. Was your, was your husband, Bill, uh, waiting for you uh, at the end of the trail or not? He was not. We got into a tropical storm. Uh, Nicole uh, came ah. sweeping through, and it was miserably wet. And then right after that, this big ice storm came through. And so it was like, are we going to finish on time? Are we going to finish right. early? And because he would have to catch a flight and all of this, all the details of trying to get family there at the end were, were just not working out. Okay. So it was totally fine by me. I just – I it was – Actually, kind of, I feel like serendipitous that it worked out this way because now I have to wait, and it's like even better to go home to this celebration, and so it'll all be great. It'll all be good. Plus, you plus you smelled like ammonia. How attractive is that? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and I have to say, I have to uh, just a quick question on on that topic. You know, being married and all, um, that's a pretty good amount of time apart. And uh, it must take a special couple to say, yeah, sure, take off for, for four months uh, and really appreciate each other's dreams. We, we get each other. And I think that is so key and important in a relationship is that you just understand that, you know, he knows that I'm kind of crazy and like to do this weird stuff. On the other hand, he likes to do, he's a helicopter pilot and that was his dream and to go chase that dream down, you know? So Mm. these are the things that we, we enjoy and we support each other in, even though it may not be something we personally want to achieve. Um, and and it is, it's awesome. He's, he's absolutely one of my biggest cheerleaders and I couldn't appreciate it anymore that he's been behind me this whole time. Now you may have met some people on the trail who will get home and their clothes and possessions will be out on the front lawn, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) There are. Few of those. And, and, and you're used to living out of a backpack in a tent by then, so it's all fine. Yeah, so it's all fine. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I have so much I want to ask you about because this fascinates me. But one thing is, I remember this from trails you meet very interesting people. Um, some you may never, I miss, I guess the majority of them you may never see again. Or you may be, yeah. may stay pals or friends. Um, who are some of the most interesting characters you've met? Oh, gosh. Um, this hike has been really unique because we did it southbound. And I say we, and I should probably introduce, I do have a hiking partner. He is my trail brother. I have hiked with him successfully for years. Um, you know, when you find someone you can travel well with, mm-hmm. they're really special people. Um, he is a, uh, um, a wilderness medic and his wife is a psychiatrist. So I have both angles covered <laughs> with respect wow. to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a good one to have around. Um, but um, he's also pretty quiet and introverted, and I think that's why it works for us. I talk his ear off, and he's, he kind of nods, and whether he hears me or not, it's a whole other story. Um, but it works out well. We just kind of camp near one another in the evening and, and you know, stop for lunch together and things like that. But it's nice to have a partner. And, um, and so he's been, he's been there the whole time. Um, and then we just met some really neat people like um, – there's this family that is on trail and they're still on trail right now. And they have three small children that they homeschool. Uh, the oldest I think is 15 and the youngest I want to say is 12, 11 or 12. And they're all boys and it's mom and dad and the three boys. And they are hiking the entire trail together. And no. these are just amazing kids. <sighs> yeah. How old? And the kids are, 
the oldest is 15 and the youngest, I think, is 11 or 12. Oh, but ha ha the way you described this, how could they must all be an incredible? I mean, they must be have amazing DNA and be incredible specimens. Uh, yeah. Of yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, this is like a yeah. family that the kids are so excited about life and like mom and dad are super cool. And um, we saw them in, I think it was Daleville and uh, grandpa and grandma were there kind of helping out a little mm. bit with support here and there, you know, when necessary. But it was like this whole rally team. It was really cool to see. And you the fact that the three teenage boys are chained together doesn't enhance their <laughs> yeah. ability at all. Yeah. Well, Interesting. you don't have to limit their video game time either when they're out yeah, on the no trail. Well, that's wild. All right. Well, can you imagine the best homeschooling possible is out there? Oh. I mean, what they're learning and taking away and the experience they'll have in their wow. lifetime, is, yeah. it's wow. just insane. It's wonderful. Yeah. Hey, Bob, can I ask Tammy a quick question about the trail? Sure. Tammy, I'm, I'm going to make a couple of generalizations, but I always like it when you when when facts prove out what we've always known. You know, um, the majority yeah. <laughs> of those people. The, I mean, I love when that happens. Majority of the people using are you're hiking the Appalachian Trail are East Coasters. Is that fair to say? That is absolutely right. Yep, I haven't met anybody okay. from Washington State huh. or anybody from that side of the country at all. Actually. Uh, uh, and and as you said, the majority of the people start in the north in Maine, and go, or excuse me, start in the south in Georgia and make their way north to Maine. Is that also true? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Bob, with yeah, these two the, the, these two proven facts that the majority of, of Appalachian Trails are East Coasters, the majority of which travel from Georgia to Maine, along with the fact that it was 10 freaking degrees in Maine tonight, <laughs> proves that East Coasters are far stupider than West Coasters. <laughs> well... I'll, I'll let I you take this. I thought you were going to say tougher, Spike. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, 10 degrees as a high. That's yeah. stupid people. Well, uh, Tammy will speak to this, but if you're going to Maine, I think you leave earlier and finish earlier, right? You do, yeah. In fact, Baxter State Park, which is where Katahdin is, the northern terminus, closes October 15th. So you have to have a special permit if you if you choose to try to get up that thing after that so well, they will you know, will they turn you away by the end of september uh, you know i don't know exactly if they will you may need a special use permit or something mm. but the park is closed yeah. it's it's kind of a big wow. deal that everybody gets there by mid-october plus St the risk still i would of that it's super hazardous yeah. i would agree with you spike though i think tammy chose the absolute best uh, way to do this yeah that was that was i was joking but that was my point you really you really dialed it in and did it right i'm so so happy for you it, <laughs> Thank you. I feel that way too. And, you know, this is a huge kind of funny little like rivalry between North and South, which I didn't even know before I started this, but um, there's far more Northbounders than Southbounders. But the Southbound direction was really great because um, the resource consumption was less. There's so many people going North. So when you're going South, you, after you pass the Northbound bubble, there's hardly anyone on trail. And then uh, you miss all the bugs we only had a few gnats here and there. Um, and then going south, you get this beautiful display of leaves and fall colors, which they're usually almost done with by the time they get to Maine oh. or they miss. I mean, excuse me, not done with, but they're, you know, they finish before the leaves come out. Um, and uh, it was, you know, it was great. The weather was amazing. We had probably 
We did have a couple tropical storms, but in the springtime, going northbound, the weather down south can be pretty rainy. So it's it's a it's a you know hit or miss, depend no matter which way you go. Yeah. But it was the weather was pretty optimal right. going that going southbound. I'm happy. <laughs> any any wackadoodle trail names that you remember from? Because uh, people give each other trail nicknames uh, on the trail. Um, Oh my gosh! There's all kinds of them. There's like Skidmark and. Um, <laughs> hey, wiping with leaves is tough, man. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think leg bones and, um, yeah, hippie Gandalf and the list goes on and on. <laughs> hey, 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 Bob, can I, if I could ask one final question? Sure. I, the fact that you had a hiking partner, I think, is actually. Yeah. Really nice to know. And, I, and if I if I if I had known that three months ago, I wouldn't have been worried so damn much about you. So thanks for that. <laughs> um, but uh, it, w are you guys competitive at all about finishing? Or I mean, well, for you yourself, how how important was it that you finished? I imagine it was it was paramount, right? Yeah, it was kind of my you know it was kind of my hope and and goal and dream. And I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to those things. So yeah, it was important. And if your hiking partner had, I don't know, twisted an ankle a few miles back and you wanted to press on and finish, he'd have been barefoot. Am I right? Yeah, well, or, or like that song, Timothy, where on earth did yeah, you yeah, go? Yeah, you, you'd, have, you'd have left him and wished him well, right? But you'd have finished, right? Right. We actually had this conversation, like what happens if one of us gets, gets hurt and how does this work? You know, because it's a very real possibility out here. This trail is is rocky and rooty and it'd be easy to go down and break an arm or um and you know we we have each other's back and and if one of us needs to continue then the following year you go and you finish it out you know so it's just um you know but he was he was he was really supportive he was great um you know, we travel well together he's you know what can i say there's no there's no real competition between us he he Team and i work. if that's what you're asking yeah. spike i'm not sure if that was a question no, i just want to i just want to see but, if you finish it if it met his life would you want to finish <laughs> that's what and I, and I got my answer yeah oh uh, tammy uh was, so, yes zip go ahead oh it's just was there ever uh, a moment in the entire journey that uh not finishing might have been you know a reality for whatever reason was there any ankle time twist along the way? Yeah. yeah, anything like that. Nothing that would have stopped me completely. I did have a couple moments of breakdowns. Probably the biggest one was headlamp hiking early in the morning in the rain. And what happens in these little storms, these little micro bursts of, of wind? There are so many deciduous trees with shallow roots and they fall across the trail. So you have a lot of blowdown. And, you know, the trail clubs, just like all all volunteer organizations they don't have enough people with big chainsaws that can come out and take care of those all the time so there's often a lot of blowdowns and coming around one of those i slipped in the mud and went down on my knees and i was just a mess and i was wet and i was cold and i was tired and i was like you just trail you know and you just get that like grumpy negative attitude but you got to snap out of that you can't you can't hold on to that you just got to be like okay sorry about that moving on <laughs> you know wow um, wow. That's pretty amazing. Let's so give it, were, let's give it up for Tammy like here. That. Come on, Tammy. Yeah, yeah. freaking awesome. Aww, so congratulations. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I was I was hyping you before you came on. You, you really are one of the most amazing people I've ever met, and I'm uh, very happy to to know you. And it's just uh, quite an accomplishment, uh, an accomplishment for any human being to do all three. And um, just uh, you should just feel wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, uh, quick, quick question though, 
if you keep eating 6,000 calories a day, that'll catch up with you, right? <laughs> no. no. Our, next, our next challenge is to roll around yeah. the equator. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, goodness. so well yeah, done. It's hard, to, it's hard to, to bring that train to a complete stop very quickly, um, for sure, because your, right. your stomach is still trying, like, feed me. All right. Congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much. much. Right. Thank you. Tammy Asars. Uh, we'll uh, put the web link up again to her Instagram and everything so you can uh, look at some of those pictures. Wow. Just incredible. I can't even imagine. Uh, no, I can't either. I mean, I've done long, I, I've done a 100-mile hike, so that's 21 of those. My wife wow. asked me to go walk the dog with her again today. I'm like, again? <laughs> again? We just did this. Uh, oh, you know, I meant to bring this up with her, but... Um, and you, we've done some great hikes together, Spike. We have the only the only hikes I've ever done, my friend. I yeah. got to tell you. Yeah, Zip, you and I walked to the dumpster to throw the liquor <laughs> bottles out of our car back in the day. So I don't think you and I have ever uh, been hiking. No, I guess not. No, no. we went uh, skiing that one time, and you and had the compound that's fracture. Right. Yeah, that was. But uh, I guess the thing about hiking, I want to say, is it is. She mentioned that it was the best homeschooling. Uh, for that family, and I really, it really sunk in with me that hiking teaches a principle that is one of the most valuable lessons in all of life. That oh, every one of us, uh, being human, uh, could benefit from this lesson. Uh, you want me to just spill it? Sure, sure, yeah. As I used to tell my kids this when they would sit down on the trail and say, "I refuse to go another foot." Delayed gratification. Yeah, there you go. That's a phrase that does not live in our society these days. Oh, Hang God. on, I'm ordering something on my phone. It'll be here in eight minutes. <laughs> it's the yang of the digital ying. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything is instant things. at our fingertips. When you hike, you start doing something that's difficult, and your reward is just the fact that you're trying hard to do something difficult, and you won't get the satisfaction until you're done and you get to the mountaintop, but that's delayed gratification. And it's the same with anything important. Like if you're studying for a test, the studying is hard, right? If you're trying to solve a problem, any problem. It's supposed to be anyway. It's supposed to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. So delayed gratification. Mm, good point. Pretty boring, too, so let's move on to something no, more. No, 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 no. Because it's not sexy. It's, it's not. It's just a fact. Well, it's, yeah. also, it's also a dying, uh, you know, value. And, and, and it's that to the detriment of a lot of things about our lives is that we need it right now, and we got, can't yeah. wait for anything, and we got no patience. You know, it's ridiculous. Totally agree. Okay. It, it kind of dictated our, it dictates our politics. It really does. Hmm. I mean, that, that is the essential underlying cause to why every presidential, uh, first-term presidential gets wiped in the midterms. That's right. It's because as society, we want immediate results. We want them now. If not, somebody's going to pay a price. We'll relate this to politics in just a second. Hey, Spike? Yes, sir. Um, on your browser, you have use browser settings selected. 
So oh. <laughs> it has made your mic sound a little distant. Not bad. I actually turned the volume up. But if you could select your sure microphone, I'll edit I that out. I sure will, Bob. Can you? Sure. Um, I've already done it. How's that? Better? Much better. Oh, wow. Much oh, better. Oh, God. I'm yes. so sorry. I'm That's so all right. Sorry. It was fine. And, and actually, you know, I'm obsessive compulsive about sound quality, but no one else is. Plus, I made Tammy sound better on a cell phone because I sounded like shit compared to her. So. You, sound, you still sounded better than, than her cell phone. It's okay. fine. All right. So, uh, boy, I have a lot of stuff I want to talk about, uh, but uh, I want to give it to Spike first because you may have to go to work uh, in a half hour or so and then zip. Uh, Spike, go ahead. Um, first off, if anybody hasn't heard about Jay Leno, what happened to him today? I did you not. Heard this new? Okay, so... Uh, it was a news story this afternoon that Jay Leno had an, a, a car fire on one of the cars in his garage, one of the uh, 17,000 cars he owns Jesus. that are all run by, like, steam kettles and pure kerosene, <laughs> um, uh, somehow managed to catch fire. Oh, I don't know how. But in a sort of serious note, Jay Leno's hospitalized with serious burns to his oh. face and, and hands. Um, and, and he has actually already, he's already out of the woods, um, says he'll be back on his feet in about a week or so. But uh, I, I thought that was... <clears throat> it was first off, you know, uh, sad news, troubling news, because, I mean, I, I'm, I've never been a huge Jay Leno fan compared to his compatriots, but the guy's kind of a national treasure. He is, you know, and and to do what he loves to do with these cars, and and he's got Jay Leno's garage, which he, he which he went to do after the Tonight Show thing. We when he put that to bed, um, for him to have it bl- literally blow up in his face, and again, I'm not, wow. it's not trying to be cute. But I'm really glad to see that it wasn't. It could have been so much worse. And the guy, the guy's 72. He's 72. You know? Yeah. The funny thing about getting old is other people get old too. <clears throat> yeah, I've heard it. this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! And the lady giving my haircut today says, "Oh, so, so like, the senior discount." It's like I'm almost like, go fuck yourself. The senior <laughs> discount. You you glue my hair back <laughs> onto my head as I'm going somewhere else. Oh, I'm in a 55 plus community, and I'm like, <clears throat> shoot. I'm I'm the young people here. Well, yeah, your nickname is Junior in your neighborhood, Bob. I'm sure the people you live with. But anyway, well, I'm glad he's okay. I yeah. I I related to Jay Leno much more than the other late night talk hosts. So I was, uh, and I liked him because, like me, he was not the coolest one. Well, and, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean, though. I, I mean, well, if I may, you know, yeah. our, our career together in radio, you you and Joe and I, um, one of the things that people always always quote back to me because when, when I always still being in Seattle the last one of us still in Seattle well Joe is but he's out of the business um, I always hear back on a, on a constant basis how uh, inclusive our show was how I didn't have to worry about you know listen you guys with my kids in the car you were never mean to people you were never too dirty and you didn't make butt jokes and blah 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 <laughs> you know and, and that is you know compared to our compatriots in radio you were kind of the Leno of what we did because I mean Jay Leno was the, was the guy that everybody could like and yeah. kind of played it, played it down the middle of the course and didn't have to get shocky or weird or stupid. It was you intentional, know. by the way, but it was not out of any coolness or brilliance. It was because I was afraid of losing my job, and I'm also <laughs> I'm an insecure people pleaser. And, and I think Jay is like that. A lot of comedians, not not all, but some are edgy. But, uh, but I always loved the fact that he was kind of every man, and then he was picked on by other comics because they didn't believe he was every man, because, of course, he's not. Uh, but uh, but he he talked about working hard, delayed gratification. He used to talk about writing jokes and say it was the same. I'm saying this like he died. He did not die today. From no, he's he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. <laughs> but he used to say that writing jokes was like lifting weights, that you had to practice on lighter jokes 
and eventually you could get heavier and heavier and more intense jokes uh, when you got good at it, which was, again, delayed gratification. Uh, he's just a work, working man's comic was. He still is. He's fine from the car fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. From a uh, broadcast standpoint, didn't wasn't Stern sort of your mentor uh, model? Stern, uh, for anybody in radio, I think, for anybody in broadcasting of any kind, um, his genius was at interviews. His genius, and he's fine too, by the way. Stern is still making $100 million a year. Yeah. Uh, his genius was, um, and he got better at it as the years went on, his intense empathy and preparation for an interview would instantly warm up a guest and get them to say things that maybe they weren't planning on. I mean, you just feel so comfortable. And so we intentionally, uh, not copied him, but we intentionally copied him to try and make the guests comfortable. And Downtown Joe used to write these wonderful intros for guests, which is an idea that came actually from Larry King. Larry King yep. used yep. to bring a guest on and he would go, this guy is incredible. He's done this. He's done this. He's sold 18 million albums. He's walked on the moon and he's the president of the United States. Let's welcome him. And the person would go, wow, I feel great. I'm, uh, I'm so honored by the introduction. And so when you do that as an interviewer, whether you're Larry King or Howard Stern or Bob Spike and Joe, um, it makes it really fun to listen to and it makes it fun for the guest. So that was, yeah, that's a part mm. of all of that. Um, but I'm glad that they're both okay. I hadn't yeah, even heard that here. Howard had a car fire. <laughs> <laughs> car fire. Anyway. Uh, and, and, and before you throw it to Zip, if I may, did anybody, was anybody aware of Dave Chappelle and Saturday Night Live this week? That's my number one topic. Okay, great. I'll, then I'll defer to you. Okay. Zip, did you see it? Uh, I did, yes. I did. I wow, well, hold on a second. About three quarters Pop of the way culture through. miracle. All three of us saw the yes, same right. thing. Yes, right. we did. In yeah. this diverse, um, you know, media world where nobody gets to see the same thing as everybody. Oh, boy, Chappelle sure cut through. Now, if you didn't see it you think it was horrible if you saw it and have that's the right word an empathetic brain and you believe in delayed gratification instead of jumping to conclusions by one phrase or another and taking things out of a context i thought Chappelle was brilliant what did you think spike um i thought it was the best 15 minutes of comedy uh topical mm. comedy shit that happened this week he was actually talking, so he wasn't like he was sitting on this monologue for six months. No. It might have been the best comedy I've ever seen. Zip. I would, uh, no I pressure, second, by the way, to no, agree. I, <laughs> I, no, but I second that. Uh, I, I, he amazes me in the way he can. Uh, I, I, is that prepared, or does he just wing it from muscle? You know? It's a great mm, question. I muscle. think prepared, because to be that good, you have to do some homework but i also think as we were saying with jay leno as he lifts heavier and heavier weights and walks that fine difficult line of bringing people to the edge and he's very edgy he brings it around if you're willing to listen to the next sentence if you want to judge based on a phrase or an n-word or a j-word he gives you all the raw meat you want to trash him and and by the way, if you look at the news, they trashed him. 
NPR, really? NPR trashed him. I, I can't even fathom how that is possible. Oh, well, let, let, let me put, you, put it to you this way. Imagine you're a dog, and imagine there's red meat in front of you. <laughs> okay. It is difficult yeah. to get a man to understand something when his job depends on not understanding it. You've heard me say that before. I right? have heard mm. that. Yes, I have. And so here's the point. NPR's job, like it or not, or admit it or not, and I'm going to use a buzzword I don't even believe in, is to appeal to the woke left. That's their, that's their audience. And I don't even like the whole woke uh, word. I think it's, it's all a, um, it's a taunt without any meaning. It's actually a lazy man's way to describe something. Well, uh, personally, I think uh, anybody who isn't woke, uh, shame, uh, I mean, and, and, uh, that's, I'm not going to phrase this right. Well, the word means something different. It's like that perfume. It means Chanel something num- different. Sh- Chanel number, number woke. Yeah. <laughs> yes, number <laughs> woke. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, so if you're not woke, it means you're still sleepwalking through life. What a goal. I mean, I mean really? Woke? Yeah. I, the Except that, that the woke way woke is a dirty is, word. Oh. The way woke is used from a different perspective. And this is what people should learn. There are different perspectives from yours. Um, from a different perspective, it's used to say that people are lazy and don't care if other people are lazy and they don't believe in hard work and they overdo everything, that you should have a safety net, but you shouldn't just have open borders. Like woke is used to describe radical left when it's really a, an innocuous word by itself. It just means I care about people, right? Yeah. Okay. I've, I've learned from the past and look to be become improving as a human. So here's uh, NPR. Dave Chappelle monologue disappoints on Saturday Night Live. Um, here's CNN. Dave Chappelle SNL monologue sparks backlash as being anti-Semitic. Oh, my God. <laughs> now... Their red meat, he gave them. And nuance, hold on, let me look up the word nuance and see if there's even a news story that mentions nuance. Because what he says is full of nuance. So if I click nuance and then news, uh, nothing topical. (laughs) Nope, nope, nothing. Nuance and NVIDIA bring medical imaging. There's a new company called, there's a company called Nuance. (laughs) Hmm, I think and Chappelle's they, an owner, yeah. It's Nuance Pharma, <laughs> and they've created a new RSV vaccine cleared for trial in China. So Nuance, which is what that whole monologue was about, doesn't even exist in our pop culture. Do you know what Nuance means? Subtlety, yes. Very good. I wouldn't have had that word. I just know what it means. I don't actually have a definition. <laughs> you know, he's... He, it means you Nuance, say he's. Yeah. Isn't he an acquired comedic taste in a way you have to understand his vernacular? In the way that be, Einstein is an acquired intelligence taste. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. C- c- no, the way, c- way surgery is an acquired social, uh, surgical procedure, you know, yeah. yeah. I don't know. But it's not for everybody. I give me a few leeches and we'll call it good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. No, you know what I mean. No, I don't. Because uh, if you see him cold, you, you could be blown out of the room like shocked. Well, so here's the thing. <sighs> Without calling people stupid, there are levels of intellect, clearly. Uh, and some of it is God-given. Some of it is hard work. Like Spike said, to become a surgeon, 
you're not born Doogie Hauser and you're, you're like, well, he's operating at the age of 12. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Okay. Incredible. <laughs> so, so to be a skilled brain surgeon, you don't start as a skilled brain surgeon, right? You don't start with leeches. Yes, right. That's true. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Med but, school 101s. Be, we're in a swamp today. Great. <laughs> Super. But, well, we're going to start with Granny's Mustard Pulse. This is from, uh, from Beverly Hillbillies here. Sure. And, but to be, um, you know, you, everybody, not everybody has the same starting point. Right, uh, pick, a, pick a partner and grab your bone saw. We're, we're, up, we're up to Civil War medicine now. And, and, and incidentally, that's not a judgment, although it sure sounds like one. But let me give it some nuance, if I can. Okay, sure. Um, I've met incredibly smart people who are evil and bad, and I wouldn't want to know them. And I've met some more, um, what's the right word? Uh, less simple? Some simple geniuses. Some simple people that do love and kindness better than brilliant people. And so, it, it, you know, we're all on various spectrums of, you know, what God gave us or DNA yeah. gave yeah. us. And, and so, uh, unfortunately, uh, when it comes to mass media, mass media only cares about Numbers, money, power, dividing people up, getting their hacking their behavior so they vote in a certain way. I mentioned this last week that why does it always forty nine point something percent to forty nine point something percent? Because it's a science, political science, of dividing people and hurting them with their lizard brains towards one side or the other. Whichever side, like if you're on a seesaw. You are not in the middle. You are on one side or the other, even if you're only a little bit on one side. And that's that way with people, too. Okay. Hmm. I suppose this would be a good time to talk about my conversation with uh, my brilliant uh, neuroscientist friend, John Medina. We talked like two, three days ago. And we talked about lizard brains. And uh, it's sort of a... Have you heard that he's thinking with his lizard brain? Yeah, yeah. And that sort of means your primitive brain, you know, usually thinking with the third brain or the third eye or whatever you call that. <laughs> I, th I thought thinking penis. Yeah, 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 the penis. Yeah, the penis, your third eye. <laughs> That's what the, the blood flow is going to the wrong I was, head. I was trying yeah. to have a little nuance there, but you're, I you're seeing, you're seeing things through your third eye, Mr. <laughs> President Clinton. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's not working. Okay. So th that's the lizard brain uh, analogy. And by the way, I started Googling it after uh, John Medina. Uh, John has written this book, Brain Rules for Work, which is his most recent book. And I cannot recommend a book more. I think it's changing the world. Um, it's basically a handbook for anybody at work, but really for corporations and governments to figure out how to use positive brain science to come out with positive outcomes. In other words... Workplaces tend to be, you know, have a boss on a power trip who gives orders. And it's not the most effective way to have happy employees and be productive. And so his um, thesis, I think, uh, and his mission uh, with this is to show corporations, governments, and even us as families and people that you catch more flies with honey. 
And um, anyway, we get we got into talking about this and Trump and Elon Musk and Vladimir Putin, uh, guys that are using their lizard brain. And the, the and what happens when you get power? And it's in his book. When you get and and I probably won't quote it beautifully, but when you get absolute power, it can corrupt you absolutely. It can actually shut down your ability to have empathy. So you don't even care. Like if you lay off 4,000 of your 7,500 people, it's just necessary and you're powerful and you're right because you're powerful. And, um, you know, with Putin starting this war, it's, it's a power move. And so anyway, we started talking about, and it doesn't, I don't care what talking about those celebrities. I want to know how it affects me and my wife when we're fighting. <laughs> and here's one of the things he said that really stuck with me. When you are fighting, you're doing one of the four F's. Do you know what the four F's are? I'm um, all ears. Find them, feed them, <laughs> no, 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 finger them, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> By the way, oddly, you're not that far off. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me, hold on, let me, let me bring it up so I quote it correctly. Um, the four F's uh, in con so there's two kinds of conflicts. There's task conflict and relationship conflict. And in the task conflict, you're, uh, you may be disagreeing about the content of discussion, different opinions and viewpoints. In a relationship conflict, it's all about the interpersonal difference between you and the other person or you and a group of people. And so that's where the four F's come. Because when you're angry and you're fighting, it's uh, fight or flight. Oh, what was the third one? Uh, the fourth F is making love. That one I remember. Fornicate, <laughs> fornicate and forgive. Yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, when you look at people, when you look at political ads, this is what we talked about. I said, how come they're all mean and negative? And he said, oh, well, because they only have a little bit of amount of money and a little bit of amount of time, and they have to appeal to your lizard brain. So th there aren't, like, ads talking about how you would actually fix immigration or fix health care. Uh, the ads are about what's evil, about the threat that you have to fight or flee or fuck with. Joe <laughs> Biden drives busloads of gang members from yes. the border to your kid's school. Right. Where they give them fentanyl looks like candy for Halloween. <laughs> Joe Biden is Satan. Paid and, for by Citizens for a Braver America. <laughs> and I know I'm, I'm not really quoting it just right, but, I, but in other words, your reptilian, here's what I got out of it. Your reptilian brain is the dumb part of you. And, and by the way, science differs on whether this is literally true uh, because there's a certain part of your brain that they say developed first and that we evolved and got smarter and got the ability to make judgments and have more long-term delayed gratification type of uh, relationships but when you think about it when you're angry there's no nuance right it's all i'm hurt how can i hurt the other person back that's unfair to me. How can I, you know, if I raise my voice, that'll help, right? Yep, absolutely. And so, um, unfortunately, social media lends itself to that kind of communication because 
drama is what engages you. So back to the point of Dave Chappelle's monologue, which we all deemed brilliant. Yes. And so that's because uh, we're all know, part of a group together and yeah. everyone else is stupid. Well, <laughs> <Sorry>. you know, <laughs> so, so when, when, yeah. when people like NPR yeah. and, and, and CNN, we're empathetic, too, it's yeah. good of you to point that out. So. When, when, when CNN and NPR and the like, you know, say he's, you know, just didn't learn. He's it's un, it's unnuanced. I mean, was it juanced? Is that what is that the word we should use? Uh, that's not. It's a terrible way to go for that. Joke. Well, but, we... but no, but you're doing what he did, which is you're 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 walking out to the edge to get someone's attention. By the way, find food. Uh, the four F's. I got the four F's here. Hang on. The four F's and vertebrates: fighting, fleeing, feeding, and sexual functioning. <laughs> mm. Mm, okay. Everybody doesn't want to say fucking. The hypothalamus responds to these motivations by regulating activity in the endocrine system to release hormones to alter the behavior of the animal. So that's what's known as your lizard brain. It isn't, scientists differ about what it means. And some people think it's, you know, very unwoke to accuse people of having a lizard brain. <laughs> anyway, back to you, Spike. So why he was brilliant. Go ahead. Um, he was able to... You, well, you told me uh, not too long ago when I was starting this job at Cairo that the only way to have people see the other side is is through comedy. You yeah. can't yell your way to it. You can't belittle mm. them into seeing your side. If you can make a joke that includes Unless their side. Unless you're a conservative, by the way. It seems to work. It seems to work for them. Yeah. yeah. Pitch, nothing funny about a pitchfork and a torch, Bob, but it works. <laughs> yeah. You know? Go ahead. Um, no, but Chappelle's, like, you know, he, his opening statement, not to give it away, because if you haven't seen it yet, shame on you. You should Go see, see it. Go see it, yeah. Um, he comes out, and I want to read a prepared statement. I am opposed to anything <laughs> anti-Semitic in shape or form, blah, 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 blah. And that, Kanye, is how you buy time. <laughs> I mean, I mean at right there, that is, that is like the smartest piece of advice wrapped up in a, in a, in a silken anvil dropped on Kanye's head through mm. comedy. I mean, it's, and he did that over and over and over again through everything we're going through as a society right now. I mean, Kanye got in so much trouble, Kyrie's in trouble. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's I mean that is exactly what happened. You know? By the way, did you hear that he did a fake monologue during the dress rehearsal? No. Oh wow. Really? Uh, a source says he did that because he didn't want Lorne Michaels or anyone Pulling else the plug on it. to yeah. pull the plug or know what his real monologue was. And, and Zip, you asked if it was something that was you know does he carefully craft each word or does he just you know say what he, what's what's living and percolating in his mind. I, I think with Bob that he's he's everything was orchestrated. Every word yeah. was carefully, and he's got a, a team of of coworker writers that he works with. Oh, so okay. he, he may right. not have, but the fact that he was able to deliver it with such you know this is who I am and what I think is just a testament to how brilliant of a performer he is. Oh. His monologue lasted fifteen minutes, which is incredibly long for a oh, Saturday, for Saturday Night Live. Night Live? Yeah. When they get somebody up there who ain't got a comedy bone in their body, they do three minutes of shtick that's been written for them, and they move on. Yep. We got a great show. Oh, somebody <laughs> famous is here. We'll be right back. I got to give you yeah. one. I got to give you. I got to spoil some of it if you haven't watched it yet. Um, he said uh, he's never heard anything good come to anyone who had ever used these two words together: the and Jews. <laughs> when you put it together, whatever follows that ain't good. I mean, it's you know, oh. I, 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 it's just it's just flat out brilliant. Nah. I I am I am mystified and and 
genuinely disappointed in NPR of all, all people. Uh, well, but again, who I think highly of. But here's why. Here's why. Instead of being disappointed in CNN, be enlightened by the fact. Because I know you, you once in a while accuse me of both sidesism. I believe in both sidesism. In fact, I believe that's the only solution is for both sides to have empathy for each other. And yet each side believes that that's evil, to have empathy for the other side. But understand this. It was red meat for, for NPR and CNN. And just like Fox, they need content that's going to activate their base. If they said an incredibly well-nuanced Chappelle bit... It's not going to get as many clicks. It's it's just not. Uh, Chappelle said uh, he's been to Hollywood and based on his own travels. It's a lot of Jews, like a lot. <laughs> but then he says, but that doesn't mean anything. There's a lot of black people in Ferguson, Missouri, either. That doesn't mean they run the place. Exactly. I, know. I was like, wow. It's just... You have to be engaged, though, in thinking, uh, or he's just hitting all of these buzzwords and bullet point words that would ordinate like he knows he's going to be hoisted for this he also used the n-word a bunch yeah i noticed that they let that go yeah and i, and I get the west coast feed because you, you i could have i could have watched his entire monologue on youtube three hours before it aired here in seattle on nbc oh because the east coast time goes live and we get it in a three-hour delay interesting and and they didn't zap any words that's yeah, they, what i thought to be really interesting well they could have um they, they could have they could have taken out a couple n-bombs so here's what i think i think the whole story about uh, lauren michaels not knowing what it is i think that would also be carefully scripted too i think there's a lot of pr and planning for viral nature yeah and and i only guess this because i don't know but my son andrew i watch how he tweaks with a pause a descriptor, a word here or there, and little things. And I watch um, his friend Steve Hofstetter that he tours with, who records a special after touring with it for a year. And everything they do is deliberate. Now, obviously, Chappelle, as you said, wasn't hanging on to this material for a month because it's all so fresh. But the skills uh, and the deliberate nature, you know, that's, that's all. That's just, it's craft. Yeah, it is craft. Yeah, absolutely. Extrad incredible. And, right I, and I have never heard anybody assess Trump as accurately as Dave Chappelle oh, did. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't give that That's away because that was. I won't. I won't. He did, he did Trump as an aside, and he devil's advocated for Trump in the way I would like to. I wish I could think that creatively. Well, but. It, it, was, it was the most accurate and, and cut through the mustard. Yep. The definition of how Trump is, why he is, where he is. I'm glad you saw that because the genius was, I'm going to blow people's expectations away. I'm going to defend Trump. And I'm going to do it in such a funny way that the Trump fans will go, yeah, all right. <laughs> and the anti-Trump people will go, wow, I'm really stupid because I didn't see that before. I, I, that's exactly what <laughs> I thought. <laughs> you know, and, but to, to, to also for Chappelle, you know that one he's been sitting on. Mm -hmm. You know the About Kanye stuff happened last week, but that Trump thing—he's had that point of view for a long time. Uh, something else John Medina mentioned the other day, and I'm probably butchering his quote, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, uh, this stupid is what stupid is as stupid does. <laughs> That's right. Well, <laughs> close. Um, you can assess someone's relationship with power. This is from his book, but I viewed it as you can assess whether you're a lizard brain or not by how well you deal with people who disagree with you. 
or and he said something else too. How willing are you to be wrong about what you believe in? And I'm always willing to be wrong. Like that's why I can play devil's advocate so easily. I'm like, I you know, I believe there's global warming. It looks like the majority of the science. But do I understand the science? I'd be bullshitting you if I said I did. Or I believe that uh, Putin attacked Ukraine. But did we goad him into it and did we cause that war? I don't know. I mean, I can believe, I can pick one side by the preponderance of the evidence. And by the way, it's helped me a lot to always be willing to be wrong. And I'm sure you know why, Zip. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm wrong a lot. Plus, if you're a comic and you're wrong, you just go, oh, well, <laughs> I goofed Silly me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and, but it immediately exposes the type of person like Trump is one who can't be wrong, can never admit they're wrong. And, and, and the lizard brain will not unclaw, you know, unclench its alligator teeth. From uh, and won't say, oh, I messed up. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard Trump say anything like that. So or how do you deprogram a guy like him? Once he's... No, no, no. They're, no. They are no, no. they are reptiles. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you give an alligator sensitivity <laughs> training? You notice how he now loves the baby bird and then snap. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> We're going to need another baby bird. Uh. Yeah, it's fascinating. Now, Elon Musk, uh, we had a discussion about, because, you know, I do devil's advocate. I defend Elon a little. Yes, you do. Because I listen to his buddy's podcast, and I, I get a side of him that no one else would get. And I like to talk about it, but I don't, I, I don't like the guy. I don't think I would like the guy. I think he's probably a horrible boss, unless you really respond well to that kind of hard-nosed leadership. Which, obviously, some people do. Uh, a lot of people do, yeah. I, I said this to my friend John the other day. I said, it's ironic to me that liberals hate Elon Musk, even though he has done more to address the problem of global warming than any living human being on the planet. And he's If been Santa Claus came down the chimney and killed your entire family, <laughs> but, but left you an Xbox under the tree, would Santa Claus still be a pretty good guy? <laughs> It's the opposite. If uh, wait a minute, I'm trying to get that analogy. There was something really funny about it, but I'm not even sure you led me where you led me. Okay, Santa came down the, down the chimney, right? And if Santa during, stopped global Santa warming down, oh, and yeah. saved the planet from extinction, but didn't give you, but an he Xbox. was a shitty boss who cared a lot about money. I'd say he's still Santa Claus. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But that's but see that's the kind of dilemma and that's the willingness to be wrong that lets you know you're not thinking with your lizard brain. This is what I got out of my discussion the other day. With I, my I'll friend. give you a better one, Bob. Yeah. If Santa comes down the chimney and his fat red suit starts a fire that burns your entire house to the ground, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you lose every present. But he did save your family, take him outside during the fire. Is Santa still an asshole for yeah. burning down your house and getting no Xbox? I, I I love how you're not willing to be wrong and you're continuing to try because <laughs> it's very illustrative of the point. But here's the thing about Elon. Uh, the worst thing you can say about him at this, and by the way, uh, I think John and I disagree. I think John believes he's evil, like Putin, or like Trump. Um, and I do think Trump, I don't think he's intentionally evil. I, I just think, you know, there's that, there's that old thing about the snake 
that someone carries up a mountain and then the snake bites him and he goes, oh, you bit me, but I helped you. And then the snake says, you knew it was a, I was a snake when you, you picked me up. You put me in up. your pocket. Yeah, yeah. what were you thinking? And, and so I don't think that right or wrong comes into play here. Uh, and, and John did sort of mention that it, Elon, it is odd to see a power mad, and I'm using the word mad because we need some clicks. I don't really mean mad, but a power-hungry, <laughs> power-obsessed individual who wants to colonize Mars so we can save the planet and, and, and you know, and, and build electric cars. Because Elon's, much like Tammy, who hiked the Appalachian Trail, his obsessions have some good points to them. And so how do you look at someone, you know, that maybe you're diametrically opposed to and you say, but they accomplished all this stuff that my team wants. And our lizard brains, which is what we use to think about politics, can't comprehend that. When you're right, you're right. Still think he's an asshole, but when you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, and, and by the way, so I said I think about this even in my personal relationships. Like my son gets you know, um, aggravated with me. People get aggravated with me, including my wife, including myself. And, and I have to remember, when you're angry, you only have access to your lizard brain. You don't have your full abilities to take the longer path to the mountaintop, to have delayed gratification and accomplish something good. Now, the lizard brain was important and is important because if a saber-toothed tiger is coming at you, it sends adrenaline, blood. It sends blood to your hips, by the way, which is uh, one of the four Fs. All of the four Fs <laughs> need that. And, uh, and, and so it makes you superhuman strong. You've seen like someone could lift a car to, if it rolled over their baby. Right. And you have superhuman strength. So the lizard brain is, it has a purpose. It has a point. And it just doesn't, it isn't needed that much in modern society because, you know, Amazon delivers everything safely to our front door. <laughs> we don't have to go hunting or be hunted. So, um, anyway. Hmm. Spike, you were willing to be wrong there, and I know you did it on purpose. That was awesome. <laughs> I do what I can, my friend. We're just trying to get the rock up yeah. the mountain. But ask yourself, uh, folks, like, anytime this, this politics shit bugs you, what are you willing to be wrong about that your side thinks? And usually it's like, no, nothing. My no, side is just right. Yeah. No, it's not. Uh, we're not perfect. I, it's funny because I said something the other day, um, and then I heard like Bill Maher say almost the exact same thing. You know, it's uh, you know. I, do you think that there literally are things about the left that I don't think are insane and drive me absolutely nuts? Of course mm. there are. Of course there are. You know, I can't think of any at the time, but <laughs> that's right. I have a hard no, time too. You know, yeah, I haven't really thinking of any. No, I mean, you know, this some of the, uh, you know, for me, it's you know, I've got a child who is trying to figure out who they are as a person. So there's there's some pronoun fluidity and some some possible gender fluidity going on at my house, right? So, but when I see some of the stuff the left does, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's it, I don't want to get too 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 deep on mm. you here today, but um, some of the stuff is just you know, when you send a five year old home from school, mommy, am I a racist? What the fuck are you talking about? Five year old, what are you what are you talking about? We divide the room up into white kids and brown kids. Now, you white kids, you own the brown kids. Make them do something. Go ahead, make them do something they don't want to do. 
And that's how slavery worked. Let's call it nap time. Come on. Chocolate milk for everybody. Well, okay. Chocolate milk and some white milk. If you prefer white milk, we don't want to be racially divisive here in kindergarten. You know, Jesus. You're right. We're going to make paper chains for our brown students. And, you know, like, what the fuck are you doing? And there are teachers really doing this shit. Yeah. You're right, Spike. You didn't really get to want to get too deep into this. I, I didn't want to. I didn't. Uh, you know, yeah. I kind of. It took me a minute to pop the cork on the uh, old champagne here, but you know. <laughs> I see why you really loved the Chappelle oh, bit. I do oh recommend it for God, everybody. Oh my God, it was It was absolute yeah, genius. And awesome. the whole show. Mm -hmm. The whole show. Oh, the, and by the way, unlike most Saturday Night Live shows, because Chappelle was all through it, every sketch was great. It was yeah. It's it the was. first time I've ever watched the whole thing, and that I gotta be years. Okay. Um, uh, Zip, anything you want to get Spike's input on before he takes off? No, he, we've got him say, about another 10 minutes before he starts feeling no, antsy about his job. No, exactly. no, I mean, he's been wound up the whole time. That's great, man. I, it's exhausting, that whole concept of taking sides and lizard brain. I, is it wrong to just want to stick your head in the sand and have a nice no, quiet dude, evening? That, that is the most, that's the most sensible defense that m many people are turning to. It's, there's a fatigue factor. It's yeah. been seven freaking years since the Golden Escalator. Yeah. And that is literally a moment that kind of cracked, it, it put a crack on our Liberty Bell. It really did. I wouldn't bury my head in the sand, though, because then your ass is toast. I would. Uh, and that's when they get you, baby. <laughs> I would go yeah, right behind you with the. <laughs> nyeh, nyeh, nyeh. I would go into a cave with some sticks and build a huge fire at the entrance. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, um, there you go. A couple other things. Uh, I just want to tell you that um, I'm very excited. I just got an email from Taylor Swift uh, about an hour ago. <laughs> well, I joined her fan club. Oh, oh isn't that nice? Good and for I, you. I, I, you. You guys both know, because Zip, you have a step-grandchild, and Spike, you yes. have two daughters. So yep. you, you know why I joined Taylor Swift's dan, uh, fan club. So, okay. so you can be a Swifty and get a yes. pre-sale on tickets. Yeah. I want to get tickets, and you I want to tell my granddaughters we're going to see Taylor Swift. Oh, man. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm so excited about this, but I also realize that I'm not really special. All I did was get herded into this, we make hamburgers here, follow these other cows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're the first ones who will pay our exorbitant prices because you think you're getting a deal. And then... Other people will bid the tickets up right up until showtime. The way the concert business has evolved is fascinating. Uh, the free market capitalist part of me thinks it's wonderful. Because if you have the dough and you want to go see Taylor Swift and sit in the 10th row and buy the tickets on the day of the show, it'll cost you the amount of a small um, imported car, but you will do it. Uh, on the other hand, if you're regular cattle, sitting in coach, which I now am when it comes to concerts, and I totally am willing to be wrong. I was so stuck up all those years. I, yeah, give me some tickets. And, uh, and I would go for free, and it would be, uh, I just took it for I didn't take it for granted. But I took it. <laughs> and, right. And so now, um, at 9.45, I'm going to log on to Ticketmaster, and I'm going to do that click thing and hope that I get the tickets. And I'm, I'm just kind of excited. You know, it's the closest thing to hunting. <laughs> it really is. 
So wait a minute, at 945, what's the deal? You've been entered into this elite group. I have. He's got, he's got a pre-sale code. Pre-sale code, thank you. Okay. Yeah. This says the guy who has the biggest Beanie Baby collection this side of the Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to stop throwing that in my face when I sell for $25,000. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I get a pre-sale and, you know, hopefully, and by the way, it's not even a guarantee. Uh, you know, there, I might get nosebleed teats, uh, tickets, excuse me, but um, we'll see. And Lisa and I have been going to so many concerts. We're seeing Aerosmith this coming Tuesday. I have tickets to John Fogarty Friday, this Friday. I have tickets to Brian Adams. Wow. And Sticks. And Foreigner. See, this is a reason for me to uh, live, by the way. Is Fogarty... Fogarty <laughs> I have to use these concert tickets, yes. Is the Fogarty show in an arena, or is it smaller? Um, so, it, it, look, there's a Las Vegas... So all, all of the shows tend to have great sound and be in wonderful theaters. And you can tell how big an artist is by how big the theater is. Okay. So I haven't looked. Uh, some of the theaters are, you know, when I saw the Australian Bee Gees, it was a theater for 500. Uh, some of them are two, 3,000. Uh, the Who was in a theater seating 7,000. And that's did where you, they, Did you see that Who tour la the last, ra last version? Saw them last week. Oh, you're kidding me. I saw oh. Elton John a couple days before that. Why do you think I moved to Las Vegas? I know. I it's know. awesome. Except I don't, you know. But it's a, it's a dry hate. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dry hate. <laughs> and Lisa and I went hiking at Red, Rick, uh, Red Rock Canyon the other day. Beautiful hiking, beautiful. I saw concert. that post, by the way. Yeah. I saw your post. I could tell you my, my quick Red Rock experience. Uh, please, yeah. as a sidebar. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well... When Downtown Joe took me to see the Grateful Dead and Sting play at the Silver Bowl, which was University of Las Vegas, Nevada's football stadium, uh -huh. uh, along with Keith. Remember Keith Flowers from Surreal yes. Espresso? Yes. Um, and, you know, you do what you do at Dead Shows. You, you know. Smoke a little? You, you, yeah. you, no, you wish. Oh, you, LSD. Excuse you me. and Timothy Leary going a little <laughs> okay, mind bender. <laughs> um, and so when I, found, when I watched the sun come up in Red Rocks Canyon with my face painted with mud, uh, with Keith and Joe, that we knew it was time to go back for the, another day of dead shows. We're like, wow. oh my. And I prayed to the good Lord. I said, if you just get me back to your nice little planet, I'll never be stupid enough to leave again. Wow. And he did, so I didn't. I have never bothered to, my mind got bent and expanded just enough that weekend, and I never <laughs> went back. So Lisa and I put some waters and a couple apples in a backpack and had a very different experience from Much, you. much different experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Downtown Joe, that's the other reason we moved to Vegas. Every week there's people visiting here, and Downtown Joe was here. Oh! He was here to fly to Las Vegas because it was closer than Germany to watch the Seahawks lose on a big screen. That's wonderful. <laughs> so Joe... Um, uh, Lisa was over with the grandkids for a couple of days, which is the other reason we moved here. But Joe calls me uh, on Friday. Oh, you'll love this story. And he, he says, I'm here. Let's have dinner. And he says, by the way, Ian Crawford's band is playing. <gasps> Ian Crawford was the phenomenal 16-year-old guitarist who helped launch Spike and the Impalers about 14, 15 years ago. He went on to a career with Panic at the Disco, touring with, I think, that and one other fairly large band. And now 
he's one of Las Vegas's most successful resident rock musicians. No kidding. He plays in a band not too much unlike Spike and the Impalers, all fantastic classic rock songs. And he has a residency every Thursday night at the MGM. Damn. He plays like six nights a week. He's got a hot bride, new wife. I didn't see her, but I assume she's hot because, you know, he's one of those. He's got that Jesus Christ look going. Jesus Christ with tattoos is what he looks like. (laughs) If Jesus had a lot of body ink, uh, same thing. (laughs) Anyway, so Joe and I go to the station uh, casino, one of the Sunset Station, I think it's called. And he's incredible. And he sees us. And he's overjoyed. Oh. And it was just, a, it was like, it was incredible. And, and by the way, I should pass this on to you, Spike. He said the day his dad dragged him to audition for Spike and the Impalers because his dad was a fan of our show, we've never had 16-year-olds actually listen unless they were trapped in the car with their parents, you know. Right, that's how we got them, by force. <laughs> and, and anyway, he said that day changed his whole life. Oh, my gosh. Because before that, he wasn't thinking of music as a career, just as a hobby. But when he played with Spike and the Impalers and got to be on stage in front of thousands of people, he, it became his passion. That's, that, that's, that gives me goosebumps. Me too. Amazing. And I got to play on stage with Zip, too. But I had goosebumps because we were playing at a ski resort, and it was really freaking cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what music oh, does. Anyway, so I yes. thought you, you would like And so Joe is here, and he stays, I think you remember this, when he's in Vegas, he stays at the Cheap Hotel. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. On Fremont Street in old Las Vegas. Have you ever been there? I have not, not. I've never laid down anywhere near it, but I know where it is. <laughs> he was telling me a story about a friend of his who was hit up by a lady of the evening down there. Yeah, and his friend was, you know, much like you when you went to Red Rock Canyon. Uh huh. He was a few sheets to the wind, and this woman was like, "Let's uh, give me your room key. Let's go back to your room." And then another friend stepped in and said, oh, "I'm sorry." And she said, "Do you control this man's woohoo?" And he went, yes, at this moment I do. And stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to go down there. Uh, there was this like free concerts on the street. And it's just, it's like, it's even more like Times Square than Times Square or the Strip. I mean, it's just crazy lights and sounds and a crowd of people. I mean, if you haven't got COVID yet, this is where you should go. <laughs> Let's go touch things and people. Yes. yes. Uh, and we went, and Lisa, in about 10 minutes, she was like, this is not my vibe. But we walked past a restaurant called the Heart Attack Grill. Have you heard of the Heart Attack Grill? I have heard of the Heart Attack Grill. It's supposed to be the most unhealthiest food in the planet. And it's 50 feet from Joe's hotel. <laughs> oh, my God. That's how he shops. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And uh, have you remember, heard of this? Remember, remember, his fo- remember his football tickets, Bob? <laughs> Yes. His his football tickets were on the aisle at the at the ramp next to the men's room. Perfect. That's <laughs> and, and 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 the food concession was on the other side yeah. of the other aisle. That, that's why oh the see the view's not so great, yeah. but the bathroom's right there and the food's right there. Boom. 
I, I asked him to come on tonight and defend himself, but he was he was still busy. But anyway, I saw the heart attack grill, and you, you, you must wear a hospital gown when you go in there because the food is so unhealthy, they want you to be ready for the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> they used to make you sign a waiver. Do they still do that? They still do. And oh my God. all the waitresses are dressed in nurse costumes, and they yep. have stethoscopes. And, um, and I saw a burger that was stacked like eight burgers high yeah. that someone would order. And um, the other thing it said on the door was, three, 350 pounds and over, eat free. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Oh. Wow. Oh. And I don't know, but... Wow. Yeah, yeah. You got to have a gimmick these days, Bob. <laughs> yeah. No, we did not eat there, um, but it was cute. It was cute. Come, uh, I want the uh, death burger and a Lipitor smoothie, please. Thanks. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. I got to fly, boys. That's All most right. of what I got, too. Um, yep. Ed was not available tonight. He sends his best. Uh, we moved uh, our recording by one night because we wanted to be there for Tammy. You can check her out at TammyAsars.com, T-A-M-I-A-S-A-R-S.com, and email us anytime. Show at bobandzip.com. The world's gone crazy. And we're just trying to keep up. Bob and Zip. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I heaver, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's heavering to you. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more to be the man who walked a thousand miles to fall down at your door. When I'm walking, yes, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's working hard for you. I'm gonna be the man who 